All right. Good morning. We appreciate you guys this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and we just appreciate you all joining us this morning. Uh, you know, this whole time is, uh, is a time of learning, and uh, I believe with all my heart, with all this change that we're dealing with, it's a time of learning. And, and so if uh, some of the audio was kind of uh, messed up there on that uh, worship set, we're still learning. So just stay with us in those, in those things, and we appreciate you so much. Before I get started this morning on my message, this is the first of the month. So every first of the month, we take time to, to pray over your finances, and, and we just believe God with you in your finances. And during, especially during this time, we, we just um, really just uh, are believing God with you. So, you know, in Philippians 4.13, it says that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we believe with you that God will supply. This is a time and a season that you have to, <clears throat> you have to really lean into him and, and know that he is your supply. Because the government is not our supply. The, our jobs are not our supply. They help in the supply, but God is your supply. And so I want you to trust him during this time that he will supply all of your need. My God, your God, will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? So if you believe that, we just, we just thank you so much for being a tither, being a giver here at the... Uh, at Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. <clears throat> and we know that you can't come here to give. Some of you do come here and give. But this is a time of change, and this is a time to to rework some things in your life. And you can do that. You can go to, you can give now at n3c.tv. You can go to n3c.tv and give there. Um, you can mail it to us, P.O. Box 15. That's P.O. Box 15, Lucerne, Colorado. 80646. You can mail it in if you need to, if that's the way you like to do it. But uh, we just appreciate y'all giving and, and uh, sowing and tithing and, and uh, being faithful in your finances. So what I want to do in this time, <clears throat> before we get started, is I want to pray over what you've already given and what God is going to supply in your life as we go forward. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, God, for faithfulness. We thank you for generosity. God, we thank you for hearts of generosity. And today, God, we just, we just center in. <coughs> we center in that you are our supply, that today we center in that you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's anybody that's lost their job, anybody that's cut back, been cut back in their job, in their finances, their finances are being affected right now. Father, I just thank you for bringing in money to them. Father, if it's people that owed them for 20 years, let them show up at this time and drop something in the mail. Father, I just thank you so much for finances coming in that we don't even see uh, where they come from, but they show up. Father, we thank you so much for continued faithfulness. As we are faithful, you are faithful. And as you are faithful, will remain faithful. We thank you for supplying our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Uh, next weekend is what we call, what the Christian world calls Easter Sunday. 
Um, it's what the Jewish community during this time calls uh, Passover. Passover starts on Wednesday night this, this week. Good Friday is, is on Friday. And then Easter Sunday, what we call here at Northern Colorado Cowboy Church, our Resurrection Weekend. Uh, that's coming up this next weekend. And, of course, we're not going to be able to gather together in this building, but we can gather together online. And so next weekend, we're going to do communion together during our service. So I want to encourage you <clears throat> that if you're going to the store this week, pick up something to take communion with. Pick up some crackers, pick up some matzah, uh, pick up some grape juice, pick up whatever you can pick up at the store to, to be uh, with us in communion next weekend. And, and um, you say, well, I'm not going to the store this week, and I, I don't know what to do. I don't have any matzah or grape juice. Do what you do with in your household with what you have. I've seen people take uh, communion with Cheerios, Frosted Flakes, whatever you have, take communion with it. Um, God, God is not going to penalize you for not having matzah and grape juice in your house. Use some iced tea. Use some cranberry juice. Use orange juice. But, uh, but just go through the system of what communion is all about with us, and God will bless it. Amen? So be ready next weekend for communion. Yes, sir. Amen. Got your Holy Ghost pom-poms out? Uh, I thought that's what Pastor Mark was getting. So, um, Clorox wipes. Get your Holy Ghost Clorox wipes out and uh, get ready to shake them because we're going to get into the message today. Um, so... <clears throat> In um, preparing this message this week and um, these times that we're in uh, are, are unprecedented is, is the word that keeps coming. They're unprecedented times. And in unprecedented times, there are so many different directions and so many messages that we can preach. All of the things that I had out in front of me, I've kind of scrapped or pushed aside to, to minister in these times that we're in. So I started asking some questions as I, as I started putting this message together this week. And uh, <clears throat> one of the questions that I began to ask myself, thinking this is how you guys are reacting, is how do we leverage these times that we're living in? How do we leverage these times that we're living in? How do we leverage the future after these times are, are changing? How do we leverage the fear that we feel? How do we leverage the difficulties that we're walking through? How do we leverage the hopelessness that we feel? And how do we leverage the chaos that's going on around us? As I was putting this together, my answer is, is that I don't know if I can answer definitively how to leverage all these things but I do think that I can find a starting point. And I think that's what we're going to do today is find a starting point individually because we're all dealing with individual things going through these times that we're going through. So a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> on a Wednesday night, we started our uh, new get-together on Wednesday nights called Table Talk. And in our premiere episode, in our pilot episode that we did a couple of weeks ago, 
Pastor Lynette wanted me to close with Psalm 91. So we're going to start today in Psalm 91, but what I would call this message, um, to title this message today, is called In the Secret. In the Secret. So we're going to start here in Psalm 91. And I just want to give you a little background to Psalm 91 because I discovered some things this week about Psalm 91. I've been reading Psalm 91 for 25 years. I got the revelation of Psalm 91 25, 26, 27 years ago, and, and, and I read it a lot in my life. And um, <clears throat> some things that I found out about it this week is, that I didn't know before is that it is a, it is a traditional psalm traditionally known to be written by Moses, not by David. I always thought it was written by David, but it was written by Moses. And uh, when Moses wrote this psalm traditionally, uh, it was written on the day that the tabernacle was completed because when he wanted people to experience the tabernacle of that day out in the wilderness, he wanted the people to experience what he experienced walking into the cloud on Mount Sinai. I don't know if you all watched the Ten Commandments last night, but I watched all four hours of it. And uh, it, was, it was good as when I was a kid. And uh, so I've got Pastor Greg rooting me on here because he watched it too. Um, <clears throat> anyways, um, when, when um, Moses went into the presence of God on Mount Sinai, there were some things that happened to him, things that were experienced and encountered in that cloud, in the presence of God, that when the people would go into the tabernacle, he wanted them to experience the same thing that he experienced on the mountain. And what he experienced was the confidence, the comfort, the peace, and the hope that he had in the presence of God. He wanted people to feel when they went into the presence of God in the tabernacle. And I think it's very relevant for us today because that same peace, that same comfort, that same hope and confidence that Moses had, we can have in this day and time. Excuse me. Um, so I want to read Psalm 91 to you today once again, and let's just, let's just see what Moses had to say in those times. Amen? It says, to, it says in verse 1, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. That is good for us right now in this time. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you in his wings, and his faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors by night, nor of the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, 
no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today. I thank you for these moments that we have together. And God, as we walk through these moments of today and as we walk through the moments of tomorrow, I thank you that when we trust you, when we trust you, you are there to protect us. You set encampments of angels around us, and I thank you, God, for continuing to protect us. I thank you, Father, that you uh, keep us distanced from these things that are going on in our world. I thank you that you keep us distanced not only from the disease and the plague that's going on, but from the fear that comes with those things, the fear that comes through the words of media and all the fear that comes just when we hear those words of the disease. We thank you so much for guarding us, protecting us in our minds and in our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man. All this atmosphere up here, and I can't get any of it, seems like. One of, the, um, one of the games of my pastime, and I know it's probably one of the games of your pastime, is hide and seek. I love that game, hide and seek. I played it with my kids. I played it, you know, as a kid, I played it. But if you're from Oklahoma like I am, or if you're from the place that I come from, We didn't call it hide-and-seek. We called it hide-and-go-seek. And And, uh, that was just the hide... But it was all one word back where I come from. Hide-and-go-seek. Let's go play hide-and-go-seek. But um, if you've never played hide-and-seek, which I don't know if there's anybody that hasn't, it's fun. And you need to do that today with someone. (laughs) But I, I loved playing it as a kid. I loved playing it with my kids. And I loved... What I really love is playing it with my dogs. Dogs are fun to play hide-and-go-seek with. And uh, when we first got married, Lynette had a uh, dog named Rio. He was a red Australian shepherd, and uh, he, uh, he is a cattle dog. But it was amazing when you played hide-and-seek with him how his nose would turn on. You could hear him sniffing, trying to find where you're at. And he would get so excited when we played hide-and-go-seek. And it was, it was great. But see, here's the best part. This is, this is what I was thinking about when I was thinking about playing hide-and-seek. <clears throat> the best part is when you find that good hiding place. You know that hiding place that <clears throat> whoever's seeking you out is trying to find you, and they are right outside of where you're at. They, cannot, they don't know you're there, but you know that they're there. And how your heartbeat goes up, your, your heart begins to race and you begin to breathe heavy. You think, if, if I breathe too heavy or if my heart beats too hard, that they're going to know where I'm at because they're going to be able to hear me. And it's so hard 
you, you get those butterflies in your stomach and, and you know they're right there and, and the anticipation is so high at that point and, and you're trying to keep from snickering. That's what I'm talking about today. That is what the psalmist in Psalm 91 is talking about. He is saying in verse 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High. I love what New King James Version says about this. He said, he who dwells in the secret place. In the secret, that's that, that's that hiding place. The, the word secret place in the English is a Hebrew word called sather. Sather. It is mentioned 36 times in the Old Testament. And this is what it means. The word sather or secret place means that you are hidden so carefully that the most keen, perceptive, highly sensitive person, thing, cannot even detect you. You are hidden so well that there is nothing around. You can hear it, but it cannot hear you. You are hidden so well that it cannot detect where you're at. And the psalmist is saying when disease comes looking for you, when terror comes looking for you, when the arrows that fly by day come looking for you, when dread and disaster and death come looking for you, they cannot find you. That is so good. I don't care who you are. That's good. Got one amen out of that. (coughs) Those, uh, Psalm 91 verse 1 says, those who live in the shelter or the secret shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's where I want to camp out today because when we are in that secret place, when we're in that place that is so hidden, it's a place where we do find true rest. See, we live in a world that spills out busy. We live in a world that spills out noise all the time. Noise is, is around us all the time. Chaos is around us all the time. We live in this world that spills these things out. And what do we do with those things? What do we do with those things when we, when we are in the midst of busy, when we're in the midst of noise, when we're in the midst of chaos? What we normally do is learn how to go with the flow. We just learn how to adapt to those things. We learn how to condition ourselves to the noise and the chaos. And so that becomes our normal. Living in those things become our normal. I don't know if you could hear that through my mic, but that was weird. A little gurgle in the bottle. <clears throat> I, re- I read an, a- an anecdote um, the other day, <clears throat> speaking of, of our normal, and, and it was this anecdote about fish. These two young fish are swimming in the ocean, they're just swimming along and they're talking to one another. Hey, man, how's your day? How's yours? You know, and, and they're getting along pretty good, these two young fish. And this older fish swims by. And as this older fish swims by, he looks at the two younger fish and he says, hey, boys, how's the water today? And they said, what the heck is water? 
That is exactly what we live in every day. We become so used to our environment and what we are in that it becomes normal and we don't even recognize that we're in it. So when we do realize that we're in the midst of all this noise, and, and I think that the change that's come in our lives every day now is we realize how much noise is going on around us that we wish, when we do realize it, we wish for calm, we wish for silence, and we wish for peace in our lives. But the last three weeks has upset our normal. It, it has so upset our normal. The stay-at-home order has affected our go-go. Wake me up before you go-go. Never mind. Lots of 80 songs come as I preach, so. <laughs> it, it has affected our go-go. It's affected our go-go shopping. It's affected our go-go eating. It's affected our go-go entertainment. It's affected our go-go jobs. It's affected our go-go church. It has affected all of our religion because so many people's religion is shopping, entertainment, job, church. I want to pose that to you today, just something to think about. Is, is that our religion? Is the normal that we listen to, the noise that we listen to, become our religion? And this has upset our religion. It's forced us into a rest that we have longed for, but we don't know what to do in the midst of that, and therefore we struggle. We are in this struggle. That's a key word that I want to I want to I want to position ourselves on today is that we struggle. We are in a time of struggle. In the book of James, which is one of my favorite books in the New Testament, in my opinion, it is the most powerful book in the New Testament. There's been a verse that has been floating around social media over these last several weeks that is found in the book of James in light of this virus. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. We got to we got to continue to wash our hands and, and uh, put antibacterial on them and all that kind of stuff. And so people have been posting this, cleanse your hands, you sinners. But it's that very verse in James chapter 4, verse 8, that says this. Before it says, cleanse your hands, it says this. And I, I love this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But he says in the beginning of this verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's reminding us that whenever we begin to struggle in life, we have to draw near to him. When we draw near to him, when we draw near to God, <coughs> I'm sorry, guys. When we draw near to God, he always reciprocates. He always, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This brought me to a place in the Old Testament in the late chapters of Genesis. And if you have your Bibles, you can go over there in the late chapters of Genesis, chapters 45 through, um, through the end. I think it's 49. But in the late chapters of Genesis, there's a story there, and, and I don't want to uh, 
spend a whole lot of time on that story. It's the story of Joseph. If you've been around church world very long, you've probably heard the story of Joseph. But if you've not been around church world, I'm going to just kind of graze through it. I encourage you to go and read that story of Joseph in the late chapters of Genesis. And uh, Joseph was a Hebrew. Joseph was an Israeli. And uh, he was the youngest son of a man named Jacob. Jacob, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. That's where we get the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is born out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name became Israel. And so Joseph was his youngest son, and Joseph was not treated well by his older brothers because they were jealous of him because Jacob loved Joseph more than all the brothers. And so they didn't treat Joseph very well. They ended up selling him into slavery, and ultimately, when he was sold into slavery, Joseph ended up in prison in Egypt. He ended up in Pharaoh's prison in Egypt, which was the lowest of the low prison that you could be in. That was just the next step from being executed. But it was through this whole deal, through 13 or 14 years, that Joseph was going through all these trials from the time that he was sold into slavery till the time he was in prison, that God continued to give him favor wherever he went. Even in prison, God gave him favor. There was a uh, series of uh, miraculous events that followed him all those days, but when he was in prison, there was a series of miraculous events that happened that took him from prison, from the lowest prison in the land, to the vice presidency in one day. In one day, he was the vice president coming from the lowest part of the prison. Man, such a cool story to go back and and read. All the while, his family is still living back in Israel. And as they're in Israel, they thought that Joseph was long dead. Uh, They thought he was long gone. And uh, there was a famine that began to happen in the land of Israel. And the family of Jacob, Joseph's brothers there in Israel, began to struggle. It would probably remind you somewhat of the times that we're living in right now, how people were struggling in a time of famine and disease and things were going on in the land of of Israel. So they were struggling and they decided to reach out to Egypt, which was the most powerful land in the world at the time. So they went down to Egypt to get relief from the famine. And as they were going to to Egypt to get relief, they did not know that Joseph is now the vice president. He's the one in charge of giving out relief to the world for supplying all of Egypt and all of the world with their economic wealth. So a long story short, Joseph's family reunited with Joseph, found out that he was the vice president, All these series of things begin to happen. And Joseph asked them that during this time of their struggle to move to Egypt for just a little while until the famine was over. Joseph went to Pharaoh, who was his friend, and he said, where can my family live in Egypt? My family's here. Where can they live? And this is what it says. In Genesis chapter 47, verses 5 and 6, it says, Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. 
The land of Egypt is before you. In other words, it's in your care. This is your decision, Joseph. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Now, Pharaoh says, bring your family and put them in this land called Goshen. What I want you to see there is that when the people of God were in physical struggle, he, God, gave them a place called Goshen. What does Goshen mean in Hebrew? When you look up the word Goshen in Hebrew, it means drawing near. Hello, do you get that? James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When these people were struggling, God put them in a land that wasn't their own, but he put them in a land called Goshen. He put them in a place of drawing near. That's the secret place. That's that place, that hiding place. He put them in the drawing near place. So what I want you to see is that when in this time of our struggle, I want you to understand that we struggle. Some of us struggle when we hear the word COVID-19. When it comes across our TV screens, when it comes across our social media, COVID-19, some of us struggle with that. Some of us struggle with unemployment. Some of us are struggling with the whole stay at home thing. You may be a social person, an extrovert, that you struggle with the stay at home. And you may be struggling today with how long? How long is this going to go on? God is saying to you, I have given you a place. If you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It is my secret place. This is what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about being in the secret. Being in the secret. I read a story the other day about the quietest place on earth. It's It's really a cool story if you Google that or something like that to read a story about the quietest place on earth. The quietest place on earth is an anechoic chamber in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There's a, there's a chamber, a room there that astronauts train in that people bring experiments to put in this room. This room is so silent that when they measure the background noise in that room, it measures a minus 9.4. Minus 9.4 decibels. I don't know if you understand, but the average, your average quiet place, just your living room when it's totally silent seemingly, is about 34 decibels. This room that we're talking about is negative 9.4 decibels is how quiet this room is. It is so quiet that a person cannot stand up in that room because our ears help us balance. Our hearing helps us balance. There is so much negative noise in that room that a person cannot find the cues in their brain to stand up. They say when you're in that room, 
when you're sitting in that room, you have to sit in that room. When you're sitting in that room, you can hear your internal organs working. You can hear your heart beating. You can hear your, your uh, liver and kidneys processing. You can hear your joints creaking. You may be able to hear them anyways creaking, but in that room, it gets even louder in that room. They have a challenge at that place um, that for $600 an hour, you can sit in that room for $600 an hour. The record time for being in that room is 45 minutes because they said it is so quiet that you will go crazy. In The average person will go crazy just sitting in that room by themselves. It is a torturous place to be in, in that quiet. But I have some good news for you. God's secret place is not the quietest place on earth. It is the quietest place in the universe. Because it's not just quiet. It's a place of total peace. It's a place of total peace. Even in this chaos of this world, even in the noise and the busyness, even, even in, the, in the light of what's going on, in, in our news and the things that are coming to us and the fear that's trying to hit us, the dread that's trying to, to surround us, even in this chaos, it is the place of total peace. That is what being in the secret is all about. You may be sitting there saying, Pastor, that's great. I need a place of peace and quiet. Thank you for giving me that information because I need this place of peace and quiet because now I'm, salu- I'm secluded with children. Before I was able to send my kids to school, I was able to, to get rid of them in some way, go outside and play, whatever. Now I'm secluded in my house with these kids and I need some peace and quiet. What's, what's better, what's more to God's secret place than just peace and quiet that in the light of our days and times, the secret place has other benefits tied to it. As you read through Psalm 91, you can see those benefits. But I want to give you these benefits that they found in Goshen. See, the people of Israel lived in Goshen for 430 years. If you watched the uh, Ten Commandments last night, you, you, you saw that story play out. They wasn't supposed to be there for 400 years. They should have went back. But about the last 100 years of them being there, in Egypt, they became slaves to the people of Egypt. They wasn't slaves when they moved in, but they wore out their welcome and they became slaves in that place. The people, as slaves, began to cry out to God for their freedom. They needed freedom. They wanted freedom. And when God raised up Moses to lead the charge out of there, it had been 430 years When Moses came to Pharaoh, to the Pharaoh who had forgotten who Joseph was, he came to that Pharaoh and he asked him to let his people go, let the people of Israel go back to their land. The Pharaoh became resistant. And when he became resistant to letting Israel leave Egypt, God released 10 plagues upon Egypt. And we see those when we watch that movie. We see those plagues that came plagues of flies and gnats and blood, uh, the water turning to blood and all these different things that happened during that time. But when you read the Bible, 
time and time again, when these plagues began to consume the land of Egypt, it was not the same way, even though Goshen was in Egypt, was in the region of Egypt, Goshen was not consumed like Egypt was. They were separated from the chaos. They were separated from the captivity and the confinement and the disease and the fear that came upon Egypt. I love what Exodus chapter 8 says in verse 22 and 23. These were the time of the plagues. It says, but this time I will spare. This is God talking to, to Moses, talking to Pharaoh. It says, but this time... I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. When the flies came during that plague, it says that all of Goshen did not have flies. That I, I don't know if you've been around livestock and stuff. Flies are prevalent. I hate flies. You breathe in flies when you're around livestock. That's what the people of Israel did is took care of the livestock. They made bricks for, for Egypt as slaves. But all of these things, they did not experience the fly epidemic that happened. I'll call it the fly pandemic that happened for days in Egypt. When you read on in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 9, listen to this. Verse 6, it says, And the livestock of, e of the Egyptians died, but the Israelites didn't lose a single animal. Exodus 9.26 says, The only place without hail, hail, talking about the little ice things that fall from the sky, the only place without hail was the region of Goshen, where people of Israel lived. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 22 and 23, it says, A deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. It says, Till no one could move because the dark was so dark, but there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Time and time again, in the land of Goshen, in the midst of these plagues, in the midst, midst of these epidemics, in the mix, midst of the disease that was going on around them, Goshen was a place of drawing near. It was a place of drawing near to God. It was a place of peace. It was a place of quiet. It was a place of safety. It was a place of rest. And it was a place of restoration. Even though they were slaves, they were not experiencing what Egypt was experiencing in the midst of this epidemic, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of all of the stuff that was going on. My wife shared with me some of her notes this week that she had taken when she was praying for our house seven years ago, eight years ago. <clears throat> and while she was praying for our house, she began to pray, God, give us a place of Goshen. Give us a place of rest. Give us a place of restoration. And God led us to the house that we live in now. And I'm telling you, during this whole time that we've been going through this um, coronavirus thing, I have not had one ounce of fear 
that that would come on our property because we believe with all our hearts it is a land of Goshen. And I, I pray that you would find that same thing, that where you live would be your Goshen, that you would take it as a place of drawing near to, to, to God so that he can draw near to you. Amen. Place of protection. See, the one thing about it is when it comes to peace and when it comes to rest and the noise, the noise that's going on in our world, the chaos that's going on in our world, I don't always know when I'm in the secret place, but I know when I'm not. Because when I'm not, the fear comes. When I'm not, the worry comes. When I'm not, all of the negativity begins to enter into my life. So when I'm in peace, that is when I'm walking in the secret place. What we're facing today in this epidemic <clears throat> in this pandemic, it's not new. It's not a new thing. It may be new to our generation, our current generation, but I want you to understand it's not new to God. God has always given us a place of peace. He's always given us a place of a secret place, a hiding place. Psalm 91 says that. He's given us this hiding place. He's given us this secret place that we can go to. The account of Goshen, the, the Israelites living in Goshen, that was a place of drawing near. It was a place of peace. It was a place where they could go and find rest, even though they were slaves, even though they were held captive. Some of you feel like you're held captive to your homes, but God has given you a Goshen in your homes. Even the account of Noah and the ark, you know, Noah's, Noah's ark was a place of, of, of uh, getting away from the chaos that was going on around them. I'm not going to go into that story, but just think about it for a bit. God gives us a place that we can go and hide from the chaos of this world. He provides a secluded place. He provides a secret place. And he did not provide, <clears throat> he did not provide a place his people for his people in it or he did provide a place for his people in it, but he didn't go and bring them into it. He said, draw near. He said, I want you to draw near. I want you to make the move into that secret place. If you don't make a move into that secret place, I can't make a move toward you. You've got to submit yourself to make a move into that secret place. And you've got to draw near to him so that he can draw near to you. That secret place that hiding place, that place of rest is your Goshen. So you may be sitting there saying, what do I do? How do, how do I do this? How do I get into that secret place? How do I find that secret place? You all ask such great questions. I love it. I love the questions that you ask. <clears throat> how do I discover that? I want to give you three things this morning, three very simple things to help you discover that secret place. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to understand that everyone's how is different. How you find that secret place, I cannot give you how you do it because everyone is individually understanding of how you find that secret place. Everyone's how is different. Maybe it's 
you wake up before the rest of the house wakes up and you find that secret place. That's what Lynette does. She gets up before everyone else does and she goes into that secret place, goes into that place where she can just be quiet before the Lord. Maybe for you, it might be after everyone goes to bed and you just spend a little time before you go to bed. Maybe, as she said last week, maybe it's in the bathroom. You don't have to be doing anything behind the closed door of the bathroom. You can, but this is what Glenn Smith has always said. He, he always said, God don't leave you when you go to the potty. So you can go to the potty and be in a quiet place, but you don't have to. You can just use it as an escape to get away, kind of your prayer closet, if you will. But going into that place and, and just being quiet, maybe for you, it might be a walk. Taking a walk in your, in your pasture, taking a walk in the backyard, taking a walk somewhere down your street or on a path. Everyone's how is different. So understand that. You need to find your how and understand that it's going to be different than my how. Okay, that's number one. Everyone's how is different. Number two, be intentional. You have to be intentional with your quiet time. You have to carve out the time for yourself. You have to carve it out. You have to find that place because everything else wants your time. Well, God wants your time, but you've got to draw near to him. You've got to carve out the time to draw near to him and he will draw near to you. When you carve that time out, then do it. Do it. Number three, be consistent. <clears throat> what I wrote down in be consistent is find your rhythm and stay on beat. Find your rhythm. Your rhythm is, is going to be daily at a certain time. Find that rhythm and stay on beat. If it's going to be during a certain moment of your day, find that rhythm and stay on beat. Do what you can to stay on beat when you find your rhythm. Be consistent. Everyone's how is different. Be intentional and be consistent. Now I want to tell you what the secret place is not. When you find that secret place, <clears throat> this is what it is not. It is not how long. It's about taking the time to venture into a place of quiet, being intentional to find that place of quiet. But it doesn't matter if you're there for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, two hours, it does not matter how long. It's just a matter of getting in there and letting God begin to draw near to you. Number two, it's not a time of worship. It's not a time to put on your music. It's, it's, it's quiet time. We don't get in there and raise our hands and hallelujah. It is a quiet time. You go in there and you be quiet. I'm not saying there's not a time for worship. There is a time for worship. But the quiet time, the secret place is for us to go in and shut ourselves down. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. And the last thing is, is that it is not a prayer time. Say, well, how sacrilegious can you be? You're, you're taking away my worship. You're taking away my prayer. No, I'm taking away your noise. I'm taking away our noise. Sometimes when we pray, we are just noise. We are asking God for things. We are seeking God for things. And he is just saying, come and be with me and let me be with you and let my presence begin to overwhelm you in the place that you're at. Just sit and be, well, what if I go to sleep? What if you do? Maybe you need to go to sleep. 
Man, it's not a time of noise. It's a time to shut yourself down and let God begin to minister to you and your spirit. It's about being with God. It's about drawing near to Him. You say, well, what is it like? Well, it ain't easy. It's not easy. Let me tell you something. This is going to be one of the most difficult things you do, especially in this time, especially learning how to come away from being in the noise of the world. It's about, at this point, it's about not being easy. It is difficult. That's why the writer of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, I want to read this from the Amplified Bible. It says, Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves. It says, let us be zealous, exert ourselves, and strive diligently. Being zealous and exerting and striving is not being easy. It means that we're going to have to press. It means that we're going to have to get intentional about being there. You got, it's going to be difficult. And it may be difficult the first three days. Don't give up. Strive. Exert yourself. Be zealous for that time that you've carved out, for that, for that rhythm that you found the beat to. Keep pressing into that thing. Amen? I want to close with this. In my Bible, in Psalm 32, it says, in my Bible, it says, a Psalm of David a contemplation. Psalm 32, in the heading, it says, a psalm of David. This is a psalm of David. This is a revelation that David got. And I don't know if you know the story about David, but when he was writing most of the psalms, he was running from the chaos of King Saul. And he went and lived in a cave called Adullam. And there in the cave of Adullam, David was all alone. He was by himself, and it was so quiet, and he was in so much of a place where he could be fearful, he went into that cave and he got alone with God in the secret and in the quiet place. And it says, this is a Psalm of David, a contemplation. The word contemplation, the the definition for contemplation is this, a deep reflective thought, a religious meditation. This was David in the secret place. He's meditating not on what God is doing but he's meditating to be in the midst of God's presence. His discovery in in the quiet place, it was his discovery of the essence of being in relationship with God. That's what Psalm 32 is. It is the essence of being in relationship with God. And this is what he wrote in Psalm 32, verse 7, one verse only. Go through and read that sometime and find his relationship with God. But it says in verse 7, it says, For you, God, are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. He says, you are my hiding place. The word hiding place there in, in Hebrew is the Hebrew word sevar. It is the same word that Moses used when he said, He who dwells in the secret place. David said, you are my hiding place. You are the the place where I am hidden so carefully that the most keen 
perceptive, highly sensitive person cannot, cannot even detect where I'm at. For years, I think it was like 12 or 13 years that David ran from Saul and hid from him. Saul was trying to kill him. But David said, God, this cave is not my hiding place. This, um, this, This wilderness is not my hiding place. But you alone, God, you alone are my hiding place. And my hiding place is that place where no one else, they can be 10 feet away from me and no one knows that I'm even there. Nothing knows that I'm there. My enemy does not know that I am there. So I want you today to understand that God has given you a place of Goshen. He's given you a place of drawing near. And we have to draw near. We have to leverage this time. We have to make this a starting point at this time that we're in when we can't go to work, when we can't um, go to the store, we can't get out much without having a mask on or or we can't get out much without, without uh, taking certain initiatives. And that's all fine and good. But let me, let me just tell you, this is a place where when you are home, when you are in the stay-at-home order, that it becomes your Goshen. This is the time that we begin to leverage the times that are around us. Leverage the fear. Leverage the, the media. Leverage all of that thing that's going on. Get into your secret place. Get into the secret. Amen. I want to pray for you real quick and uh, then I'll let you get about your secret place. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our moments together. God, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives today. I thank you for removing us, giving us a place where we can draw near to you and you can draw near to us. Giving us that place, that hiding place where we can go into when this world's distractions and the world's chaos cannot come near us. It may come by us, but it does not get with us. So, Father, I pray that when we feel that fear rise up, when we fear that, feel that anxiety begin to rise up, when we feel that, that, um, that place of needing to, to be normal in the noise, that, Father, we will intentionally put ourselves into that secret place. Father, help us this week to find our rhythm. Help us to find our beat. Help us to find the essence of our relationship with you. Now, Father, right now, if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice that that is listening, that is watching, watching maybe even later on in the week, if you've never entered into a relationship with God and you don't know that essence, I want you you to know that that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on a cross, which we're going to talk about next weekend. In, in detail. But he came and he lived on this earth. He died on a cross so that you and I wouldn't have to go through the junk that we go through. So that we have, it's, it's not about not going through that junk. It's about when we go through that junk, we have a way out. We have a way of hiding ourselves in the midst of Jesus. If you've never came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, you've never trusted him of what he did on that cross, right now is your time. And this is what I want you to do. If you've never made that relationship with him, you don't know that you've made that relationship with him. If you would, would you just close your eyes right where you're at? And I want you to imagine something. I want you to use your brain for just a minute.
just imagine Jesus being on that cross. He's been beaten. He's been punched. He's been kicked. There is blood streaming down his face from the crown of thorns that's been placed upon his head. And he is stained with blood over his face. But his eyes, when they open, they are so clear that his eyes are looking into your eyes. He has locked eyes with you right where you're at. Just imagine him looking into your eyes. And he is asking you one question. He said, I'm doing this for you. Would you come and follow me? Would you come? You will not have to walk through this, what I'm walking through, if you'll come and follow me. And your answer, I hope is yes. If you don't know at this point, then understand that you will have another opportunity. But begin to contemplate what it would be like to follow Jesus because there's a place that you can go to when you're a Jesus follower, when you're a God follower, there's a place that you can go to called the secret place. If you're not a follower, you don't have access to that secret place. You don't have access to the secret place when all this stuff hammers down on top of you. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you what Jesus would ask you. Would you come and follow him? If your answer is yes today, you've just entered into a new place in your life. There's an interchange that's happened on the inside of you. And right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you, if you made that decision today, would you raise your hand? Not so that I know, because I can't see you anyways. But when you raise your hand, it's an, it's an outward sign of an inward change that happened when you said yes. So if that's you today, just, just stick your hand up and put it back down. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for these that have made a change today. Thank you for, for all of us who have made a change in our past, who have the ability to step into the essence of what the relationship with God is all about. Father, I pray that these who have raised their hands for the very first time would be able to begin their journey in the midst of all this crap that's going on in our life. They would make this journey, begin to make this journey in their life with a new outlook and an outlook of being in that secret place, knowing that all this stuff can be swirling around them and you are hiding them from all this stuff. Father, I thank you and I praise you so much for who you are and what you continue to do in our lives as we begin to press into the essence of who you are. We thank you and we praise you for all you do and all you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you received Jesus Christ today, if you said yes to him, I encourage you to go to info at n3c.tv and tell us you did. You can just email us and say, I made a decision today. You can say something online. You can say something right there on Facebook Live. Just shoot us a message. I made a change in my life today, and I'm going to see what it's all about to follow this man called Jesus. So thank you very much for joining us today. Is, guys, is there anything else I need to announce or anything? We're good? Guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you have any prayer requests or anything, if you need prayer, info at n3c.tv or prayer, is it prayer at n3c.tv? You can send prayer requests there and we'll get on it. We love you guys and we will see you on Wednesday at Table Talk at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Love you all. Have a good day.